when Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, I'm reminded that he didn't have all the things we have here today. He didn't have lights. He didn't have cameras. He didn't have even a microphone. Um, all he had was the truth, and he spoke it from his heart. What I want to present to you this morning is something that only Jesus could really have preached. The Bible says that as he was walking, multitudes were following him. And then I think he did something strategically. He says that he went up on the mountainside. Not everyone could follow him up there, but it's not just about that. I think it's about so everyone could hear him. Didn't have a chair. Didn't have things to sit. I think he pulled up just a nice, comfortable boulder and sat on it. How about that? And it says that as he did that, the disciples came and they gathered around him. And he sat down and he began to teach them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you. When men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake, rejoice and be exceeding glad because they treated the prophets in the same way. And then he says that we ought to be like the city on the hill. Let your light so shine that may, may see your good works, and they might be able to glorify your Father which is in heaven. When Jesus preached this, when he taught this, I, I don't think that he yelled. I don't think that he used any antics or, or too many. <laughs> Do you recognize the truth when it's said? I think that that's the thing about Jesus. Because when he described himself, he said, I am the what? the way and the truth and the life. And I think that when the truth spoke the truth, those who were searching for the truth would see it, hear it, find it, and they would embrace it. And I think that those who didn't want any part of it, because it might destroy their lifestyle, it might take them off of where they are and the attention on them. I think that they refused him and they refused his words. No one else could have preached this sermon. I'm going to share with you why here in just a moment. But before I do that, I need to uh, share with you a contrast. I have three children who are grown, and I also have three grandchildren. And you can't get away 
from me without hearing at least one grandkid story, okay? So you, this is it. I won't tell another one, I promise, all right? Not this morning, I won't. Audrey is now in the sixth grade. She was in the first grade when this happened, and she was at school, and, and mom and dad went in for a parent-teacher conference, you know, about a month after school starts, and how are things going, and what is she doing well, and what does she need to work on, that kind of thing. And so they came in, and they sat down, and the teacher looks at him and says, we'll get to the conference here in just a moment, but I have to share with you what just happened this week. She says, I was reading a story about Betty Bunny. Anybody know stories about Betty Bunny? I've never heard of it before. Tom, Jane, Dick, Sally, Spot, you know, those were mine. But she was reading a story about Betty Bunny. And somewhere in the story, she read that so-and-so was a handful. And she thought, you know, I'm not even sure my first graders don't know what a handful is. So she said, I, I put down the book, and I looked at my class, and I said, does anybody here know what a handful is? And Audrey shot her hand right up in the air. And she goes, I know what a handful is. That's me. I'm a handful. <laughs> She's heard that somewhere before, don't you think? Now, if we're all honest, we all know that we are a handful, right? At different times... We are all a handful, right? Amen? Come on. Yeah. Well, this is what I want you to do right now. I want you this morning to point to at least one person, maybe two people, and say, you know what? You can be a handful. Go ahead and do that right now. Point to somebody. You can be a handful. You can. You can be a handful, right? Come on. Yeah. Some of you are having too much fun with that one, okay? But you know what? The reverse is true as well. We need to admit, I can be a handful. I want you to say that with me. Ready? I can be a handful. Oh, you can do it better than that. Yeah, we can, can't we? We can all be a handful. And that's the difference between us and Jesus. He, being the Son of God, was not a handful like we are. He came as the perfect one who had created all things. And during the Sermon on the Mount, he says things like this. You have heard it said by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. And whosoever should kill should be in danger of the judgment. Now, where did you ever hear of that one? Okay, thou shalt not kill. In the what? Ten Commandments, right? Yeah, I've heard that one. And then he says, but I say to you, That anyone who is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever should say, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever should say, You fool, he will be in danger of hellfire. Now, who in the world can do that but the Son of God? You've heard it said, Don't kill, but I say this. You see, only God could do that. He goes on and he says it over and over again. Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you that whosoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. 
You've heard this, but I say this. That's why only Jesus could have preached this one. He's actually the Son of God. You've heard it said, love your neighbor but hate your enemy. I say, love your enemies. Pray for them who despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. You see, he wants us to see ourselves differently. Not to do life like everybody else does. God is altogether different when he is inside of you, working for your goodness, so that the world will know that there is a God. They need to know that. They need to see it. There was a man back in the early 1900s, a man by the name of Charlie Chaplin. Anybody heard of him? Anybody seen any of the silent films that he came out with? Yeah. 19 and 14, he started the scene, made a lot of different silent films. You could not hear him speak. He just, but he was so unique. Had the top hat, had the big mustache. He got rather short of stature, had a cane. He would do that penguin kind of walk. It, it, it was all the craze of the 1900s, and it even went overseas to Europe and England, and they started doing these Charlie Chaplin lookalikes and, and these contests that were held to see who looked the most like Charlie Chaplin. There's a picture here that, that I have. It's from 19 and 21. This is one that was done in the state of Washington. You, you see, they did this all the time. But in 19 and 18, Charlie Chaplin decided that he would enter a Charlie Chaplin lookalike contest. Ah, he did. He entered it in 19 and 18, and he did the walk, and he did the look, and guess who didn't win? Guess who didn't even get second place? He wasn't even in the top 10. Charlie Chaplin came in 20th place. In his own contest, people began to forget what he really looked like. They began to think about what they thought he should look like. And when it was voted on, it wasn't him at all. And I wonder how many people forget what Jesus really looked like, who he really was. The Sermon on the Mount, he shares who he is. Over and over again, the thoughts, the intents of his heart. And he wants us to gravitate towards that, not the kind of Jesus we want to see, but the Jesus who really is. Some see a God, they see a Jesus who is ready to be angry at the drop of a hat, or turn over the tables of the money changers, and, and on and on and on. They talk about hell and and others want to see the other side of Jesus. Well, I remember the Jesus who forgave and the woman who came and the woman at the well. And... But what we really need to see is the Jesus who is. The Sermon on the Mount will do that for you. I'm going to challenge you. I, I get to be here for three Sundays, and I want to take parts of the Sermon on the Mount for each of these three Sundays. And I'd like for you to just sit down, read the Sermon on the Mount, You'll be surprised at how many things you recognize as you read through it. You know, one of the hardest things for me in ministry, I did this, I, I kind of divide life up into BK and AK. 
It's before kids and after kids, right? Okay. Does that resonate, right? Yeah, I used to have a life. Now I have kids, right? And it's just, it changes altogether. And for me, BK, before kids, I memorized the Sermon on the Mount because I had more time, number one, but also because I was lousy at memorization. And I wanted to learn this thing. Jesus, he spent so much time on this one. And you'll find it in different gospels in different parts. I mean, if a sermon's good, you're going to use parts of it later in your ministry. And you'll see that in the gospel of Luke and John and Mark. I think he preaches it one time, but then he uses different parts of it at different places in his ministry. But it's who he really is. Your assignment this week, read through the sermon on the mount. And the next three weeks, just kind of allow the Lord to just come within your heart and show him the Jesus who really is. My second point, and my last point about that, only two points this morning. Are you okay with that? Yeah? I've never heard anybody complain about getting out too early. My second point is, God's got this. God's got this. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says, take no thought. Don't worry about. Don't become anxious about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or what you're going to put on. For is not the life more than food, more than clothing? Then he uses examples that would be very common for them in the day, and, and we can kind of resonate with it. He said, behold, the, the birds of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor do they gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not much better than they? Or which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to a stature? And so why do you take thought for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed into like one of these. And if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not take care of you even much more so? And what he's saying is, I've got this. I've got this. We are kind of discovered that as I go through life, I only become anxious about things that I care about. I don't become anxious about other things. I, I don't. It's only the things that I really care about. And then all of a sudden it becomes just a little too much. And I allow it too much infiltration into my life and my thought processes and whatever. But it's only the things that I really care about that I become anxious about. I've had children that, that go through sports. My daughter did gymnastics. And, you know, although I was for the team and I would encourage the team, guess when I was most anxious? Yeah, it's when my son was up to bat, right? You want him to do good. Or the ball's hit to him, and I want him to be able to catch it, not make an error, but to throw him out. When my daughter's on the balance beam, I want her to do well. And I become anxious because I cared about my kids. I don't think it's 
wrong at all. I don't think it's sin to be anxious about things because we become anxious about things that we care about. It's when we forget to give them back over to God again. It's when we begin to carry it too long. It's when it makes us handicapped, maybe even incapacitated. It just stops us from doing and being what God wants us to. That's when it becomes wrong. And so when it comes into my life, I need to turn it over to God over and over and over again. Because I care And now all of a sudden it gets close to that spot where it shouldn't be and I need to give it over to God. Don't worry about it. If you gave it over once, it'll probably be back again. That's not sin. The sin is in not letting go of it again. That's the sin. So don't be anxious about it. And some of you are facing different things right now. Some of you are facing health issues. Maybe somebody else knows about it. Maybe nobody else knows about it. You're carrying it by yourself. But we all get there. Some of you, maybe it's the marriage that's hurting right now. God's got this. As long as you remember to keep giving it back over to him. Your kids. Sometimes they do things we just wish they wouldn't. You know, one of my, one of my prayers as a parent was always, God, let them learn from the small mistakes so they don't make the big ones and scar them for life. And sometimes kids will do things that we just wish they wouldn't, but we give them over to God. And parents, friendships, maybe work, maybe that's where the issue is. And it just over and over again, it's really getting to you. So you back it up and you just give it over to him again. If he really is the son of God, If we really trust him when he says, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. If we really believe along with Paul, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. If we really believe Jesus is who he said he is, then we've got to believe that he's got this. He's got this. I want you to think about that one thing that seems to be coming up again and again. Maybe it's something different, but that tension, that stress, okay, for you. And I want you to think about it. We're going to take a moment here and just pray about that, okay? So think about it. Let's pray. You individually, quiet with your God. Give it over to him again, and then I'll close with prayer, okay? Let's do that. What is it that's surfacing in your life right now? It's not wrong that it's there because you care about it. But you've got to give it to the one who can handle it. Father, I thank you for these who are here. They wanted to come and worship you. And they're going to be better for it because they have given and worship. And it hasn't been all about them. But at this point in time, man, there are things we've got to let go of. Would you please bless each prayer prayed this morning? In Jesus' name, amen.
Hey, one more thing I want to share with you. Dan Hamilton is a good friend of mine, and he spoke at the Teenagers Retreat this past week. Up at uh, Round Lake Camp. And as he was, he was sharing a story about one of his grandkids. He uh, rides a bike. He's been doing this for years. He's, he's a cyclist. Any cyclists here? Any bike riders here? Uh, just a couple of you. Okay, I'm not going to offend too many of you then. Good. Because I'm not. I don't like biking. I really don't. I've been a runner. I, I ran half marathon. I just love to run. All my life I've just been a runner. But with two back surgeries, you can't do that anymore. But I can't bend over a bike that long either, you know. But Dan's telling about how they, about a dozen of them, rode all the way from the Ohio River up to Lake Erie. Took about five days to do that. All the way from the, he said, I was sharing that with my grandkid, my grandson. About the up the hills, and boy, we're flying down some of them with canals, just at different places we go. And we rode all the way from here to there, and it took us five days. Little grandson, he looks up at his grandpa and he goes, Grandpa, does that make you famous? Oh, maybe to a grandson it does, right? And, and I just thought about that and I thought, you know what? Jesus did not come to do, he did not come to be famous. If he just wanted to be famous, he would have ridden on a cloud down to here and impressed. The snot out of everybody, right? He would have. That's next time. Revelation says he's coming on a white horse, victorious, right? And all this stuff's going to be done. That's going to be awesome. But he didn't come to be famous. We know famous people. We know about them. We see them plastered all over the TV, the Internet, different things. And then people all of a sudden, because they're a good singer, entertainer, whatever, all of a sudden now they, they have the platform to talk about everything. They get to tell you what to believe. All this. Don't go there. Jesus came not to be famous because famous people come and go. He came to change the hearts and lives of men and women. That's what he came to do. Created the world, came in humility as a babe, went through life like you and me. And in fact, the scriptures say that he was tempted in all kinds of ways, just like we are. And yet he was without sin, which qualified him then to be our sacrifice because of our sins. That's why he came. He needed to restore that relationship with you and me and the Father. And that's why he came. Don't forget, Jesus isn't just famous. Some people, that's all they know about him. Oh, yeah, he's that guy that started that Christian religion. Oh, yeah, he's that. No, he's the son of God. He's the one who came to save us. He's the one who's prepared a place for us. Would you bow with me? We'll close in prayer. Father, I thank you that Jesus is more than just a celebrity. He is the son of God. No one else could have preached this sermon because only he could make himself equal to the word and even beyond it. And Father, 
there are different things in our lives that come and go. And right now, we just need to remember who you are, what you can do. You can take the stress. You can help us let it go. You can help us to bring joy into each day. Father, bless us to that end, that we will be the people, we will be the church, the bride of Christ that you look for. In Jesus' name, amen.